Morning, Reach Church. All right, so if kids want to head out for Reach Kids now, they're good to go. All right, so uh, we are continuing to go through Romans. Uh, so for, for 11 chapters, we've been talking about the work of Christ, the work of Christ, the work of Christ. And we're hitting this transition now where we're looking at, now how do we respond to the gospel? Now last week, last week we talked about uh, how we respond in the body of Christ. The implications of the gospel for, for us as a community, as the body of believers who are united in our faith in Christ. Now as, uh, as a church, how do we actually do that? Um, we didn't talk about this last week, but uh, I'm, I'm wearing a sticker. I feel kind of goofy, but we have a reach group sticker. Uh, we talked about the body, and if you're wondering, okay, how do I get to be part of the body of Reach Church? How do I get involved? How do I use my gifts? How do I know um, where I'm called to serve? What people actually need me? Who I can actually uh, share prayer requests with? Uh, the answer is a Reach group. A Reach group. This is a group of, of friendships that are formed around Christ, formed around nothing but Jesus, that pursue Jesus together. And so, um, maybe the church felt like it was like, oh, you, you have so many options, you can do anything in the church. Uh, we're narrowing the focus and saying, join a reach group first. Join a reach group. Find a small group, a community, a body of believers to do fellowship with. And from there, from there branch out. We want to make sure that you have your community we have people caring for you. And uh, as the church grows, that becomes more and more important. And so if you're not part of Reach Group, please join one. Uh, we're, gonna, we're kind of spearheading that afresh right now, starting new groups. So, um, yeah, we'd love to see you get involved. All right. Now, uh, this week, this week, uh, we are looking at how the gospel changes obedience. So last week... Uh, Paul kind of gave an introduction to, to how we think about the Christian life as one of sacrifice and transformation. But now, Paul just starts laying down commandments. One after the other. Like lists, lists of commandment after commandment. And it's kind of a weird passage for me to preach because uh, how do you preach through a bunch of just, just straight up commandments without saying just go do them, go do them. Um, now it could be that I talk about each and every single one. We're not going to do that this morning. Um, you should go through these commandments uh, on your own. Go through them, think about them, think of your weaknesses, your strengths, think of how you can grow in these things. I can't do that for you. What I can do is help you think about obedience and the commandments in light of the gospel. So we've been talking about the gospel for, for 11 chapters, for weeks on weeks. How does the gospel and the grace of Jesus change how you think about obedience. That's what I want to look at today. How does it change your thoughts about obedience? And we're going to see this in, in three ways. Um, first of all, I want you to think about obedience in light of the body of Christ. In light of the body of Christ. I want you to think about obedience in light of the incarnation, the fact that Jesus Christ came in the flesh to be with humanity. And third, I want you to think about obedience in light of the cross in light of the cross, his sacrifice. Three things, thinking about obedience towards the end, towards the end that we might reflect Jesus Christ and we might love him well. So, let's turn to Romans 12. 
verses 9 through 21. Romans 12, verses 9 through 21. And here are your giant list of commandments. All right. Romans 12, 9 through 21. And read with me God's word. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saint and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will be heaping burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that these commandments do not start off with uh, the book of Romans, but they, they come after your grace and they come after faith and they come after the Spirit. For Father, without these things, we would be hopeless. And so, Father, I ask that we would receive your commandments uh, with joy as the body of Christ seeking to love you who has loved us well. Father, would uh, at the same time, would these things not fall in deaf ears? Would we not hear them and, and pass over them? But would you give us uh, a love for Christ that would enable us to do these things to your glory uh, that you may be honored and, and shown in the world? We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So, I want to make sure that we're not, we're not coming to these commandments without bringing everything that was before us with them. So, first of all, we want to make sure that we're thinking about these commandments in light of the body of Christ. In light of the body of Christ. So, uh, we have commandments to, to love good and hate evil. Verses 9 and 10. Love, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. We're to be zealous, zealous and passionate. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in prayer. We're to be consistent spiritually. Not up and down, consistent spiritually. We're to serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, constant in prayer. We're supposed to care for each other in the body, contribute to the needs of the saint, and seek to show hospitality. You need to think of these things not as individual commandments to us, to you, and to me. But these are commandments given to the body of Christ. The body of Christ. Now, it's important for, for three reasons. First, first this is, these are commandments that are told so that we can fulfill them in the body of Christ. 
Now, so much of these commandments, they're, they're one-anothering. They're do this to, to the person next to you, to the person in this body who is in need. You have to be part of the body to fulfill most of these commandments. And that's, that's kind of the, the first really important part. Often we think that, oh, well, if I, if I cut myself off from the body, maybe I'm breaking just one commandment, that, I, that I'm not in the body of Christ, I'm not going to church like I should. No, it's that you're, you're keeping yourself from doing the whole gamut of commandments that are one anothering, that are between the body and in the body and for the body. If we don't listen to last week's sermon, then, then we actually can't move on and do the things that we're called to this week. We're to fulfill these in the body. But secondly, we're supposed to fulfill these as the body. As the body. And that's where I want you to be encouraged that these aren't just a list of rules for you, your checklist. This is a, this is a list for the, the whole body of Christ. And too much of this devolves into, into competition in the body or self-exaltation or thinking less of others for doing less of the commandments. Like this, no, this is a group effort. Group effort, body gathering together to do these things. And that's where we actually take responsibility, not just for ourselves, but for one another. That we are called to encourage each other to do these things and to challenge each other to do these things and to rejoice when one of us does them and to, to mourn when another doesn't that we see our, our triumphs as triumphs together, our failures as failures together. And I hope that that feels like slightly less of a burden. That it's not just you on an island seeking to do all these things. No, it's, it's that together we help each other and encourage one another to press forward. But there, there's one more thing that, that is, is most important probably. Um about the, the body of Christ, Jesus in his body has already fulfilled these commandments. And he has fulfilled these commandments so that we could be the body. Now, I can't stress this enough. Like, You do not become the body by doing these things. You are the body because Christ has already done this for you. And that's where when I, whenever you look at commandments from now on, you need to first ask, okay, how did Jesus Christ fulfill these commandments in his body for us? How did he already do them? How did his work embody, embody these commandments far better than we ever will? And if we think about it, if we think about, okay, what did, what did Jesus really do? He, he loved sincerely. He, he hated evil. He he received us in brotherly affection. He honored us at his own expense. He was never slothful in zeal. He always was fervent in spirit. He served the Lord. He gave us mercy. He, he prepared a place for us. He showed us hospitality. These are the things that Jesus has done. And that should change how we receive these things. That Jesus did, him, did them in his body, and only then do we try to do them in ours. And that's where, there's something nice about these commandments. Uh, so the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments, they're not that fun of commandments. All right, it's mostly do not statements. 
And kind of the larger point of the Ten Commandments, it's to convict us. Like, oh no, I've done all of those things. That we would be uh, kind of left with nothing but, but Jesus, that we'd be desperate for grace and desperate for, for mercy. All right, that's not really the goal of these. Notice, these commandments are mostly positive. They're mostly positive, and, and we're not asking, okay, like, how do I avoid uh, polluting myself? How do I avoid being, being a sinner? How do I avoid uh, ruining my witness or any of these things? No, we've already done that. We're, we're kind of over that. We've received grace. And now the question is, how do I love Jesus? How do I express the love that I have for Jesus practically? How can I joyously become the body that I have been in Christ? I hope that that, that shifts your, your, your focus when you think of the commandments. That Jesus already did them. You don't need to do them to be the body. You do them as a response to what Jesus has done with great joy. And we, we look at these and say, like, God, I love you. How can I do this? How can I express my love for you? How can I be the body that I am in Christ? And then go do them. We do them together. We do them in the body, as the body, in light of what Christ has done in his body. All right. Uh... You'll only be able to do these commandments to the extent that we actually love Jesus. That we love him and we are captivated by him. And we see these commandments as ways he has loved us and we want to be like him. And that takes us to, that takes us to our second, uh, second group of commandments. So they're kind of, thankfully, that this first list was going to just total chaos. Um, I don't, I'm not going to try to organize that much. Um, this second set, this second set, I think is somewhat intentional I think the second set is trying to focus our, our hearts on the incarnation of Jesus. That we reflect Jesus in everything, but in particular, these commandments are calling us to reflect Jesus in his incarnation. That he is a God far above us who came down and became like us to serve us. Now look at these commandments, verses uh, 14 through 16. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Now, at first glance, you might think, okay, this is just generally, this is the scope of, of humility. Be humble. But it's more than that. It's more than that. It's, it's entering into the places of, of other people. It's entering in and being with them where they are. That that is what Jesus did. That Jesus did not stand high up above. He came down, he took on flesh. He submitted to the law. He submitted to, to needing to eat and drink and sleep and pray. He was with us in our humanity. He was with us in our suffering. And we are called to, to be with people where they are. Now that comes in, in, in three ways. We're going to be with people where they are in their emotions. 
to join them, incarnate in their emotions. Verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. All right. On the one hand, there's the, the happy side of this, which is actually pretty difficult. To rejoice with those who rejoice, there's a difficulty there because uh, I often don't want to rejoice with those who rejoice. Instead, you can be envious or jealous or you can be, have a pity party about why, why you're not getting the blessings that they're getting. It's hard to rejoice with those who rejoice. And yet, God is telling us to, to enter into the emotional joys of other people, to be with them where they are emotionally, to actually say that, that the blessing of the body is, is partly our shared blessing. Then there's the other side of that, which is maybe even less fun. Um, Weep with those who weep. Weep with those who weep. Now, we want to do anything but that. When you see see crying people, you feel awkward and you want to run away. All right, that's that's naturally how we all feel. We don't want to be polluted by their despair. And so we, we get out of there. This is where, in Christ, we're being called to enter in. Not entering in to, to change it necessarily, but to feel it with them. To mourn with them. To feel the pain with them. To weep with those who weep. And that's where Jesus, Jesus did that. That Jesus standing outside the tomb of Lazarus, he, he didn't need to weep. He had every reason to know that, that the weeping would be temporary, but he entered into... Mary and Martha's mourning. And he wept with them. And oddly enough, Jesus, Jesus doesn't have to enter into our emotions. God doesn't have to enter into our emotions. That he's perfectly, he could be perfectly content up there. He is in and of himself. He's, he's fulfilled. He's perfect. But in his incarnation, in his humility, he actually cares about our problems. And he weeps with us and he rejoices with us. That that's actually the God that he he chooses to be. He's not forced to do that. He chooses to enter into our pain, enter into our suffering, and enter into our joys. All right, we also enter, enter into one another's kind of frustration and get on the same wavelength of people. Live in harmony with one another. Live in harmony with one another. All right, so you're trying to harmonize with someone. You're trying to harmonize with someone. Uh, you can't just start belting out your own note. With, with, you don't care about anything else. No, you have to listen to the other person to harmonize with them. Is this true, Randy? All right, this is true. Good, good. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, tough, that's the illustration. Um, uh, yeah, so you have, to, you have to actually listen. And you have to receive what they're giving and in addition to, to giving yourself, it takes, it takes humility. You can't just blast over people. You have to enter into their struggles. You have to see things from their perspective. You have to receive their different perspective and, and acknowledge it. It takes, it takes entering into the world of people. That's what every fight is. Every fight is two people who 
who are singing different wavelengths, and you're like, you have to hear each other. And you have to have the humility to enter in and say, okay, that's not my perspective. What is, what is yours? Why do you feel like that? Why do you think that? We're incarnating in people's problems and people's perspectives. And that's, that's Jesus. That when Jesus came down, he came down so that he could create harmony between God and man. And that we, we, in some sense, couldn't hear God. And so he came down and he became like us in a way that we would understand him, that we could, could know him personally and so that he could reconcile us ultimately by dying for our sins. He incarnated with us. Finally, finally, we have to enter into people's humility. Into their lowliness. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. That we step down and we enter into the lives of people who we think we are better than. Or who the world says we are better than. And we do it because that is what Christ has done for us. That we had the infinite God. He came down to be with us. His humiliation. And we're called to be the same way. That he has loved us in that way. We follow him. All right. So, so how do we do this? Uh, I'm not sure how you need to do this. But this is the question. Is who... Who do I need to, to incarnate into, into their lives? Who am I called to, to join, to be with, and their emotions and their suffering and their circumstances? Now, I'm thankful for, for the body in this that people like Dan and people like Wendy, they're calling us to, to serve and to, to sacrifice. The Paris Foundation, the Community Luncheon, these are opportunities that the body gives us to enter into the lives of our community. We take advantage of those things. But in, in this body, how are you called to, to incarnate? To be like Jesus in that way. All right, finally, finally. All right, this is the, this is the least fun one. Um, as if that was fun. Um, it's supposed to be. Uh, all right, the last set of commandments and bodies... Um, not the incarnation, but the cross. That we are to be like Jesus in his death. In his death. That we're actually supposed to give grace to those who do not deserve it. Because that is what we received in Christ. Look at verse 17. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. All right, this is the call to give grace to people. To give people more than they deserve, the opposite of what they deserve. And that's where we love grace. 
We love grace. We love receiving grace. That we love the fact that in response to our sin, we should have gotten judgment, but instead we get grace. Instead we get love, instead we get acceptance, instead we get adoption and justification and sanctification. We get the opposite of what we deserved. All right, that's where we're challenged in saying, okay, if you really love grace, you will give it to others. You won't just receive it, you'll give it. And that's probably the, the most difficult part of the Christian life. That was the most difficult part of Christ's life, is that he died to give grace. But grace is the core of our, our religion. All right, so, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of others. We don't, when we receive evil, we, we give honor instead. We honor those who do not deserve it, who deserve condemnation, but we honor them instead. Live peaceably with all. All right, if you're living peaceably with all, um, you have to actually be forgiving. And you have to give up your rights at some point. And you have to give people relationship that they do not deserve because we all don't deserve it. And to give people love they don't deserve, that they have not earned. That's the heart of a marriage, is, is that we give grace and grace and grace. That peace is founded upon not, not fighting, but forgiving when there's clear sin. Receiving it and offering it. All right, this last one, this last one's rough. Um, never avenge yourself. Never avenge yourself. All right, that's where we, we love, like, petty revenge. And we, pun, we punish people for what they do. Now, maybe it, it, it's pretty passive, but we, we, like, we distance ourselves. We stop talking. We don't return phone calls. We... Just kind of disappear a little bit. All right, this is, this is God saying, no, vengeance, any, any kind of repayment for evil is my job. It's God's job. He will do it. He will do it. He will take care of it. He will give it in proportion to what was given. And the only thing we are asked to do is to give grace. To give grace. And it's very, very clear. If, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Remember, I, I'm not saying, I'm not saying to, to treat them like they've not done anything wrong. No, they have done something wrong. They have done evil against you. They are your enemy. But I'm saying, in response to that evil, give them the opposite of what they deserve. That if, if they slander you up and down, then you should be going behind their back to talk, speak well of them, to compliment them, to honor them. That if they're, they're boastful and prideful and arrogant, you should respond with, with more humility and refusing to talk about yourself and, and build yourself up in front of them. Um... All right, that's where, that's where we ask, okay, is the Christian life being a doormat? Are we called to be doormats? 
That, that's a common that's a common phrase. Um, that like, okay, you're supposed to just be stomped on by people. Is that really how it's supposed to work? All right, that's a that's a twisting of it. A doormat is made to be a doormat. It, it that's its purpose. Jesus wasn't made to be a doormat. Jesus gave down his life for his people. He gave grace in response to sin. We're called to lay down our lives for sinners. And to give people more than they deserve because that's what Jesus Christ has given to us. Now I recognize that sucks to do. To hold your tongue and to to love people who hate you. But that is the gospel. That is the gospel that we believe. That's what Jesus Christ has done for us. And when we ask these questions like, well, is there, is there some great injustice in this? How could, well, they're never going to stop. Something needs to be done. We trust God that, no, no, you give them more grace. You give them grace because that's what you're called to do by your Lord. All right, and what, what happens? Uh, all right, let's talk about this heaping, burning coal things. Um, for by so doing, you'll be heaping burning coals on their head. All right, what does that mean? Um, there's three, three things that could mean. There's three, three things that could mean. I'm not going to pick one for you. Um, I don't think it's that clear. So three possible meanings here. Okay, it could be. It could be that it's like, it's kind of like burning them with the shame of what they've done, that it would drive them towards repentance. All right, option one. Uh, burning into them some sense of, of conviction towards repentance. All right, second, could be storing up for them judgment. All right, so we're saying basically, well, the Lord, the Lord will have his vengeance, and like you're just, you're prepping, you're prepping that, and you're not getting condemned in the process. All right, that's option two. Third option, third option is an ancient Near Eastern interpretation of this, where like you like walk around with a pan on your head, carrying like your daily fire and if it goes out you'd like go to your neighbor and are like hey like will you will you help me out by getting me some burning coals and they're like sure and then you, you go home and kick, cook your meal um so then it would be like a blessing thing um all right i honestly don't know which one of the three it is i know i'm supposed to know um and i, I just don't really i really don't know um i can pretend that i do but i don't uh, ultimately, I'm going to say it really doesn't make a difference that you're supposed to show grace. Are you to show grace that they would be shamed into repentance? Hopefully. Are you to show grace that they would receive this blessing and go home and make their meal? Ideally, that'd be great. Are you to give grace that they would receive the vengeance that is due them? There is justice, and God is a God of justice, and that will happen if that's what needs to happen. But we are called to give grace. Finally, verse 21, we are to not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I hope we see that 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 is the core of the cross. that Jesus submitted to evil. 
that he submitted to all of sin being laid upon him, to Satan and demons and, and fallen humanity, laughing and rejoicing in his death. And in that, he was victorious. He's having victory over sin, victory over all enemies, and giving us grace and love and salvation. Now, do we... We love this Jesus. We love Jesus. We love that this is the kind of God that he is. That he's a God of compassion. He's a God of grace. He's a God of mercy. He's a God that, that shows us hospitality. He's a God that incarnates. The commandments should be your response to Jesus. That you love him and you want to be like him. You want to show the world what he is like. And so I, I would challenge us. Let's as a body love Jesus. Love Jesus in these very tangible ways that he may be honored. Let's pray. Father, um, as we think about your commandments, we are convicted of our, our hearts. I'm convicted of the fact that as much as I want to love you, I love myself more. And I love um, my own sense of justice. I love my own comfort. Uh, I love my own freedom. And Father, I ask that you would, you would break our hearts. That you would show us the, the grace that you have shown us and uh, the depth of it. And that we would fall in deeper love with you. Father, would you change our hearts that these are not things that, uh, that are meant to restrain us, but things that are meant to give us freedom to love you that we would love you well, that we would love you passionately, that we would love you practically by loving other people. Father, would you give us great joy in these things? Would you give us great joy in, in knowing that your kingdom is a beautiful place and that when we are submitting to your throne and to your lordship, uh, there's this beautiful resurrection power there. Father, would you, uh, would you keep us from sloth? Would you help us to think about these commandments and think about them well and, and pursue you in love and in faith? We pray this in Christ's name.